0: You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STV Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham. And whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Anchor Podcasts or if you're on YouTube, Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Uh, I've got a goal to do this every single day, uh, every single weekday that is. Today is a rather busy day for me with some other things, but I'm here, I'm doing it, and I thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe, please share the podcast. I apologize if today's is a little bit shorter. Um, I'm gonna try and cram a lot of cool stuff into a short time frame, so hopefully this can be a nice little jolt of sports info and kinda give you your sports fix for the day. But um, the first thing I wanna talk about, well, a couple of things we're gonna talk about. One. NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16 uh, is set, and I launched a second chance bracket for myself. If you guys want to join that, I'll put a I'll put a link in the description below. But my first one was so bad. In fact, I in our own group, in the group that I started, I'm in 34th place out of 40 pretty awful. I do think I'm going to see myself climb the ladder quite a bit though cuz now is when it really gets interesting. The sweet 16 and beyond is when it really gets interesting, and I've got Gonzaga winning it all, which surprisingly not a ton of people in our bracket chose. I think there's only like 6 or 7 of us, oh no, there's maybe like 10 actually it looks like. But those at the top, um the top uh, of the top 4 people, none of them picked Gonzaga in our bracket. So we'll see what happens. I think you're going to, I'm going to see myself climb to like kind of middle of the pack, but horrible, horrible showing for me this year. But a really interesting thing about this sweet 16, think about like, when you think of the history of college basketball, you're thinking Duke, you're thinking North Carolina, you're thinking Kentucky, you're thinking Kansas. I'm not sure I can think of four bigger schools or programs than that. And guess how many of those are left? Zero. Not one of those schools made the sweet 16, no Duke, no Kansas, no Kentucky, no North Carolina. Unbelievable. Um UCLA did make it. They're kind of like a big main name, you know, in the uh, in the, you know, in college basketball. Gonzaga has become one, though they're certainly not like a big program with like all this rich history like the others I mentioned. It's just kind of a unique. We've got Oral Roberts, you know, in the Sweet 16, Houston. It's just kind of a different Loyola Chicago, just kind of a different Sweet 16 than we've ever seen, and I kind of like that. It feels like maybe Uh, Things have shifted quite a bit, especially as you see guys like LaMelo Ball, who skipped college entirely, went and played in Australia, and now is in the NBA. It feels like you're going to see a lot of shifting going on with some of the top recruits. I think a lot of top players are going to go to G League or they're going to go overseas. And then they're going to go into the NBA. And so NCAA might need to shift kind of how they do things. It's, but it's a very unique Sweet 16. I'm excited for it. I'm glad it's still going. Uh, they have seemed to be getting through the, the COVID protocols just fine. There was the one VCU Oregon no contest game, which is a real bummer. But um, other than that, there hasn't really been any real issues. So again, if you want to enter the second, second chance bracket, you can. Um, I filled one out. Hopefully it goes better than my first one. But again, the first one's where the money is and where the fun is. And uh, I, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, I'm hoping that I at least climb to the middle of the pack in my own bracket challenge. But um, thanks to everybody who joined. So, okay, one thing I want to talk about real quick, and this is a big deal to me Kyrie Irving did not play last night. We're moving to the NBA here. Kyrie Irving did not play, uh, the Nets won, and. They play again tonight against the Jazz at 8 o'clock. I'm actually excited for that one. But no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving, so James Harden's kind of riding solo here. And James Harden has, has had to do this a few times now, and this is how he's been able to kind of play his way into the MVP conversation despite those early eight games with Houston where he was just kind of a disaster. He was still putting up good numbers, but nothing like his typical numbers, and he just looked totally disinterested, looked like he didn't really care. Um, was clearly trying to get out of Houston and it worked. And now he's on, you know, a championship contender, but the nets, uh, they play without Kyrie Irving. And why was Kyrie Irving not playing? Why was Kyrie Irving not playing? He was not playing because he didn't want to. He didn't want to, he has personal issues, family issues, and I'm not here to downplay family issues. Okay. But I'm going to say this. We all have them. Kyrie. We all have family issues. We all have personal issues. We all have things we deal with in life. We all have drama we go through and, and stress and different things that we have to deal with. But guess what? We show up to work. Like there are people that are getting paid $10 an hour going through very similar, uh, you know, stressful situations like you are with family and with personal things. But if they don't show up to to work for their 10 bucks an hour, they get fired. And a lot of those people are actually saving that 10 bucks an hour to pay for a ticket to go to a game that you're supposed to be playing in. But meanwhile, you get paid tens of millions of dollars and you can't show up to work. To me, it's absolutely ludicrous. I think it's unacceptable. I think it sets a horrible example. And I don't know what the situation is with his family, okay? I know the last time he had a situation with his family, he just disappeared for weeks on end and... He was later caught, you know, basically breaking COVID protocol for the team. He was at a birthday party, no masks. There's a big, big group of people. And so he's totally letting his teammates down. He's letting the Nets management down. He's letting the fans down. And it's all like masked under this. Well, I have personal issues and I don't know. I, I don't want to downplay mental health or personal issues. I really don't. That's not at all my goal here. I'm just saying he's not the only one that deals with it. There are a lot of people making a whole heck of a lot less money for way less enjoyable form of uh, of employment that are showing up to work every single day and dealing with it because that's what they have to do to survive. It would be nice to see the guy that's getting paid tens of millions show up day after day to give the fans what they want. I mean, think if you're a TV. You know, the, the game tonight is on TV. I, I think it's on TNT, the game tonight against the Jazz, and... <clears throat> I'm checking right now. It's on It's on one of the channels. I can't see it right now. But it's on ESPN, actually. Sorry. So ESPN. So ESPN paid all this money to see a Jazz and Nets matchup. And now we're going to get a totally watered-down version because Kyrie Irving decided he doesn't want to go on a road trip. So he didn't show up last night against the Blazers. The Nets still won without him. Um, But I'm just... I don't know. To me, it's very, very frustrating uh, as a fan, as someone who covers sports. I just don't see it feels like there's a massive double standard there, you know, like, and it, sh- it should be the, you know, the, the NBA should crack down on this. The league should crack down. The teams should crack down. There needs to be some sort of reasoning, you know? Um, and it feels like Kyrie Irving watched the, the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary that came out last spring. And he saw this whole thing. You remember the thing about Dennis Rodman where he just disappeared for a while, but Jordan and Pippen and Phil Jackson, they kind of just put up with it. And they went and found him in his hotel room. It was like this big dramatic thing. He had just disappeared during the season for like quite a while. They went and tracked him down and brought him back. And, you know, obviously they go on to win another title. And it feels like that was almost glorified, but that was Dennis Rodman. You know, that was Dennis Rodman. He's not exactly a role model. He's a fantastic basketball player. We're going to talk about him a little bit later, actually. But he's not exactly a role model. And so if Kyrie Irving is looking at that, and it just feels like he thinks he's above the law with everything. You know, he said he doesn't need a coach at one point. Um, he's this is the guy that thought the world was the earth was flat. It just feels like Kyrie Irving in his mind thinks he's above the law, above the the standard. You know he's been very vocal against the media, um, and I think he just forgets, dude. Your salary comes because of fans and media. Literally, those are the two things that make you your salary. Your talent in basketball is worthless if there's not people that want to watch you play. So you just got to remember that. If there's not reporters that want to ask you questions, that are then going to pass it out to the fans who want to listen to it. Um, Maybe this creates drama. Here we are talking about it. Makes him worth more money. I don't know. Maybe that's his his game plan. But I, I really, really don't like it when players forget that their salary comes because of the media and the fans. Those are the two things that pay all the money to the franchises that then pay the money to you. So I think it's important that uh, the players remember that. Kyrie Irving seems to have very thoroughly forgotten that. Um, and I, I wish the league and the Nets would crack down on it. Okay, enough about Kyrie Irving. I'd be worried, though, if I was a Nets fan. I, this is not championship mentality he's he's is showcasing here. But the Nets win without him. I think they lose tonight. Uh, the Jazz are actually favored by 10.5. That is a massive line, uh, one that you'd never think in a million years would happen against the Nets this year. But the line is the Jazz by ten and a half, and it's because it's it's at home. It's on this. It's the the second game of a back to back for the Nets. It's on the road, so it's at home for the Jazz. On the road for the Nets. Second game of a back to back. No Kyrie Irving. No Kevin Durant. I think the line's spot on. I think the Jazz win pretty pretty easily. But we will see. Um, okay. In other news in the in the NBA, a lot of trade talk going on. The trade deadline is actually tomorrow. At 3 p.m. So it's about 24 hours from now as I sit and record this. Um, trade deadline tomorrow, 3 p.m. It's actually 3 p.m. Eastern. So it's about 22 hours from now as I record this. But a lot of talk going on. There's all sorts of stuff. There's there's one of them that's interesting for the Jazz is there was a mention that maybe J.J. Redick would be released from the Pelicans and that the Jazz would scoop him up. I would absolutely love that. It would take the best three-point shooting team in the league and only improve them with JJ Redick, another veteran, another shooter, spread the floor even more. I'd be all for that. Um, that would be amazing. That'd be fantastic. So we'll see if that happens or not. I don't know, but there's a lot of stuff going on. So tomorrow we'll probably have a lot more news and a lot more to talk about with the trade deadline. Um, you know, I, th- I saw one thing about Kyle Lowry potentially going to the Lakers. That would be huge because they don't really have like a true point guard. LeBron plays point most of the time. He's currently out, obviously. Uh, last year, they had Rondo. And so this year, it would be interesting to see, I mean, if Kyle Lowry goes to the Lakers and they get LeBron and AD back at full strength, they might become my favorite again. Because they're already neck and neck at full strength with, uh, with the Nets. And you bring Kyle Lowry in, and another proven veteran, another very savvy player, another unselfish player, a champion who's been there, done that. Uh, I might give give the edge back to the Lakers, but right now they're in shambles uh, without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But that would be a huge, huge pickup for them if they could somehow work something out uh, with with uh, with the Raptors. Speaking of the Lakers, the old Lakers beat the current Lakers last night. The Pelicans without uh, without LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the Lakers are just like I say, a shell of themselves. But last night, the Pelicans beat the Lakers pretty good. So, again, it's you know it's the old Lakers, meaning Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. And uh, Brandon Ingram went off. He had 36 points, looking at the score here. Zion had 27. We had Brandon Ingram, 36. Lonzo did not play. We'll see if he gets released. There's talk of that. Um, but, uh, you know, he's always got some sort of injury. Last night was a hip flexor. But there is a lot of talk about him being moved off of the Pelicans as well. And, honestly, if I'm on the Pelicans, I think I'd want out too. Like, it's just not a – That's just not like a proven franchise. Actually, they are proven. They're proven to not be very good. And they don't have the greatest coach. They've got all this talent that seems to be underachieving. I feel like I'd want out as well because it's just also not a city that I personally really love all that much. It's not a big market that's going to offer a ton of uh, marketability for you. And I'm not not against small markets, obviously, being in Utah. But that New Orleans Pelicans, even their name is just kind of not so cool. (laughs) Not that the players are taking that into account much, but... Uh, that's just a franchise I would not be stoked to play for, just to be frank. And so I wouldn't, uh, I don't blame Lonzo Ball if he wants out. But And speaking of Lonzo Ball, Magic Johnson uh, went on record the other day saying that Lonzo, that, that nobody, nobody has a better basketball IQ at the point guard position in the NBA than Lonzo Ball. I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, I think Magic likes Lonzo. He drafted him. Uh, Lonzo also plays very similar to Magic Johnson where he's not a score first guy at all. Uh, he's definitely a distributor first and a scorer after that. Alonzo can score decently. You know, he's averaging about 14, 15 a game this year. But I don't know that I agree that he has the best basketball IQ um, among the point guard position. I think he's up there. I think he's definitely up there. But it's tough to argue against a guy like a Steph Curry, you know, who who clearly can do do it all. Um, James Harden, if you count him as a point guard, which he kind of goes back and forth between, uh, but he's been playing that most of the time this year, and he's one of the he's the league leader in assists, one of the leaders in points. Um, his team's in you know second place in the East. They're favorites to win the NBA title. Tough to argue against his basketball IQ. I do think he's dribble, 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 pound, 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 hold the ball too much. Um, but the results do seem to be there for him at least in the regular season. Whereas Lonzo hasn't really. Nothing he does seems to translate to wins. Like wherever he goes, they miss the playoffs. And so uh, he's young and we'll see. But that was a very interesting comment by Magic Johnson. Maybe you see Lonzo go back to the Lakers. I don't know. Maybe I guess if they want to put up with LeVar a little bit more, right? But um, Okay, another big thing that I want to touch on. I'm going to actually dive into this one more tomorrow or the next day. I'll I'll find a time. But there was a very, very interesting comment that took place uh, by Draymond Green. He said he was the best defender of all time. Yes, you heard me right. Draymond Green claims to be the greatest defender of all time. And he says, when you, I think when you look, and if you're on YouTube, I'll put this up on the screen, but I think when you look at the things that make a good defender, reaction time, toughness, being able to see the picture long before it develops, and most importantly, in order to finish a defensive possession, you've got to rebound. I think I'm great in every facet that makes up that side of the ball. So he said he's the greatest player, greatest defender of all time. So Draymond says that, and it lights it lights up the NBA world. Of course, Tony Allen, who's known for his defense, who prides himself in his defense, uh, he took to Twitter and just put big cap. Who stamped you? Who you clamp? In the words of Jay Z, we don't believe you. You need more people. <laughs> so then uh, Draymond responded and put, "I was waiting. I was waiting on you to stamp me, big homie." But your stamp book started running low in 2015 when we used you against your team on the way to my first championship. Pretty good comeback, not going to lie. But then Tony Allen comes back strong himself and says, like your stamp book now, because it's four on five out there right now, my boy, hashtag call clay. So (laughs) a great back and forth between two great NBA defenders. Draymond is a great defender. I'm not going to deny that at all. Uh, Is he the greatest of all time? No, an absolute emphatic no, not a chance. So I started thinking, what is my, and this is what I'll probably put more time into uh, for another day, but I started thinking, who would be like my Mount Rushmore of NBA defenders? And Draymond didn't even make my top 10, if I'm being honest. The guys that immediately come to mind are like Bill Russell, okay? Okay. Uh, the guy averaged like 22 rebounds a game for his entire career. He like invented the block shot. And, you know, there's that clip of him showing you how to like block a shot, but then hit it at a certain angle to where, you know, you can still go after the ball after you block it. Um, and he, he, he played before a lot of the defensive stats were in place, like block shots and things like that. So tough to fully gauge uh, what he did. I know he's the all-time leader in defensive win shares. So Bill Russell for sure, you know, came to mind quickly. Hakeem Olajuwon. Won multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards. Uh, He also won multiple championships. Uh, Not that that's entirely, you know, defensive related, but, and uh, he's the all time leader in blocked shots. So Hakeem Olajuwon came to mind. Dikembe Matumbo, who's in the top, I think he's second in all time in blocked shots, won multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards. He came to mind. Um, Dennis Rodman was very high on the list. I think he would make my Mount Rushmore. The glove, Gary Payton, came to mind. Not sure if he'd make it or not. Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan both came to mind. Scottie Pippen, ironically, I think I would put slightly ahead of Michael Jordan, but he did not, Scottie did not ever win a Defensive Player of the Year award, whereas Michael Jordan did. Um, another guy that came to mind is Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace uh, won four Defensive Player of the Year awards, four of them. So Ben Wallace definitely came to mind. Rudy Gobert, to be quite frank, came to mind. Uh, Dwight Howard, Kawhi Leonard, he's a two-time defensive player of the year. Dwight Howard's a three-time defensive player of the year, three times in a row. So those were some of the names that came to mind. And you look, I'm I'm actually looking at my list here if I can find it. One, two, so Bill Russell, Dennis Rodman, Ben Wallace, Scotty Pippen, Hakeem Olajuwon, Dikembe Matembo, Rudy Gobert, Michael Jordan, Dwight Howard, Kawhi Leonard, Gary Payton—that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. That's eleven guys that immediately came to my head as better defenders than uh, Draymond Green. And that's no hate on Draymond—he's he's a great defender. But I think the dude uh, is massively overrated, uh, especially this year. Although maybe he's not getting a ton of love this year, but uh, he's not my favorite guy to watch play. Uh, is he is he a good player yes is he a tenacious defender he has been Uh, is he anymore not really like Draymond's impact on the court is pretty minimal and the Warriors lost Klay Thompson lost Kevin Durant and they're just not any good like they're not good at all you know they're a 500 team with him and Steph both in the lineup they're just barely 500 they might squeak into the playoffs through a play-in or something like that but nothing that he's doing and, and, if his, and if his production could come back up to match what it was three or four years ago, I think they'd, they'd have a really good shot uh, at even winning a first-round matchup in the playoffs. But because he can't do that, because he doesn't have Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant to take all of the attention off of him offensively, and to even those guys, Klay Thompson's a fantastic defender himself, Draymond, just, his, his contribution on the court is just not that great. So I'm going to dig into it more. I'm not giving a definitive answer right now uh, either way. But when Draymond said that, I know that I can definitively say he is not the greatest defender of all time. I don't think he'd even make my Mount Rushmore of which would be the top four defenders of all time. And as I made a quick list of, of names that I thought would be ahead of him, it looks like he'd be 12th at the very highest, you know, and just guessing, I'm going to say my Mount Rushmore ends up being a Bill Russell, Dennis Rodman, uh, probably Ben Wallace and Scotty Pippen. Like, those are the four that kind of like stand out the most to me. Um, but it's tough to it's tough to ignore a you know three-time defensive player of the year in Dwight Howard, two-time defensive player of the year in uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, Kawhi Leonard, Rudy Gobert. Um, you know it's yeah I'm gonna look into it more. But stay tuned. That's something I thought was very very interesting that uh, that Draymond had said. Speaking of Kawhi, by the way, did you see Kawhi's house? Hello. Kawhi bought a monster, monster home in L.A. The dude now has a $7 million penthouse near the Staples Center. He has a $13 million home in San Diego. And now he just bought this. If you're on YouTube, you can see it. He just bought this 12,000-square-foot uh, mansion in the Pacific Palisades of Los Angeles for $17 million. The place is gorgeous. It has an infinity pool, 960-bottle uh, wine cellar, and a 10-person movie theater. Just a few stats on that. And the views look incredible. This place is super dope. Maybe he'll invite me over sometime. But little news on Kawhi there. Okay, wrapping things up. There was another interesting Twitter exchange that I wanted to mention several days ago but uh, just have not gotten to it because there's been so much great content that's been coming out. But Kevin Durant, who uh, I love that he's active on on Twitter. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have his burners anymore. But, <laughs> but he still does interact. So there was a guy... Um, Coach Wu on Twitter, he says, I'm just saying, tags Kevin Durant, is a scorer, not a shooter, dot, 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 big difference, exclamation point, right? So Kevin Durant responds, explain the difference then, just plain and simple. I didn't ever see a response, but it got me thinking, what is the difference between the two? Well, there is obviously a difference, and for the record, uh, Coach Wu, you of LSU, um, Kevin Durant is both. He is a fantastic shooter, and he's one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen. It's kind of hard to be a fantastic scorer without being at least a decent shooter, but there are some guys that come to mind. Russell Westbrook would be at the top of that list. That guy can flat-out score, but he flat-out can't shoot, right? So there are those guys. Allen Iverson is another guy who, fantastic scorer, not the greatest shooter. Shot a pretty low percentage. He was more of a volume-type shooter, right? Volume scorer. Giannis. Giannis can lead the league in scoring, uh, but obviously not a very good shooter. A lot of centers would fall in that category, like a Shaquille O'Neal. You know, players like that, especially kind of the older players where the big man kind of ruled the league. Uh, ben Simmons. Ben Simmons can't shoot worth a lick, but uh, he can score. You know, he can he can give you twenty. He averages like sixteen or so, but he's capable of scoring, but he's not a shooter. So, those are the guys I think of when I think of scorers, not shooters. Kevin Durant is not that. Kevin Durant is not a Giannis. Kevin Durant is not a Ben Simmons. Kevin Durant is not an Allen Iverson. He's not a Russell Westbrook. He can shoot it. He can shoot it really, really well, actually. He's a very efficient scorer, which means you are a shooter as well. He can hit the three as good as anybody, and the dude's seven feet tall. So on the flip side of that, some some shooters who aren't scorers, well, Steve Kerr, the all-time leader in NBA three-point percentage for a career, he was not a big scorer, but he could shoot it. He had the luxury of being on teams like the Bulls dynasty and some of those uh, early Spurs dynasty type teams where he had scores all around him. And so he was just left open at the three point line quite, quite a bit, but Steve Kerr could, could shoot it really, really well. Not exactly a score. Um, Duncan Robinson, PJ Tucker, Duncan Robinson on the heat, PJ Tucker um, now on the bucks. Uh, great shooters, not the greatest scores. Joe Harris, great shooter, not the greatest score. Joe Ingles. Great shooter, not the greatest scorer. So Kevin Durant doesn't fit in that category either. He's certainly not a shooter non-scorer. He's one of the best scorers we've ever seen. We know that, but the guy is not Russell Westbrook. You know, he's not Ben Simmons. He's not Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's not Shaquille O'Neal. Okay, (laughs) he's not a guy who can't shoot it. Uh, He can absolutely shoot it. He is both. That I mean, Kevin Durant, when fully healthy, might be the greatest player on the planet right now. The problem is he can't stay healthy. Um, That's all the time we have for today, you guys. I'm going to get more into the defensive uh, standings and rankings all time and my all-time Mount Rushmore of defense. The Mount Rushmore thing is going to be a theme that I bring up more and more on the podcast. Kind of do the Mount Rushmore of different attributes of different sports. Could be the Mount Rushmore of a team. It'll be a lot of fun. So I'm going to do my Mount Rushmore of defense. That's coming up shortly, I promise. You guys are awesome. Please subscribe. I am out. Peace. Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports.